This is the New How Podcast. Learning how to build businesses and real estate in a new age of technology. All right, so today on the New How Podcast, we're with Ernie Fasheen of Keller Williams Mainline. Ernie, how you doing? Doing great, doing great. I'm excited to be here. I appreciate the opportunity to come talk to you guys. Yeah, so, so Ernie, we want to hear a little bit about who you are. Um, obviously, you're in the real estate realm. Uh, we want to hear a little bit about how you got started. It's always fun to, to <laughs> see how everyone trajected into real estate. Yeah, so I have a, like a construction development background. Um, I went to Williamson College of Trades. So I actually brought a little gift for you, a little book that gives you some idea what? of what that school is about. So, <laughs> so I've heard you guys talk about you know finding qualified tradesmen and yeah. how difficult that really is. Mm-hmm. And, and this school literally breeds them. Cool. Um, you, they live and breed trades. It's a it's like an old world school. You have to have a scholarship. It's not state funded. Um, you live there. It's almost like a military school. And it's all around the construction sets. trades. Yep. So you have painting, you have bricklaying, you have carpentry, you have um, uh, power plant, you have horticultural. Um, I know I'm missing one. I shouldn't. but um, So I, I went through the carpentry program, which basically spits you out as... Um, you could be superintendent, you could run your own business, you could be um, you know, project manager, you can do really whatever you want. So the carpentry program is one of the more sought out uh, programs in there, but it started way back into the 1890s with an endowment from Isaiah Williamson, um, you know, 1890, I think it was, and he put a million dollars away back then to open a school um, for you know, underprivileged guys that needed an opportunity and a break. I'm looking at guys drafting here on the old drafting yeah. boards, pictures with the T-squares out and everything. Yeah, you guys can't <laughs> see it, but Ernie brought in this pretty sweet book. It's probably 100 pages, but it has photos from what, the late 1800s? Yeah, so it's an old, Beautiful. old campus, and, and it's maintained by the students. It's maintained by the I'll alumni. I'll have to put this photo. This could be like the photo of the episode. Yeah, yeah it's super cool. It's a cool um, shot. Yeah, and of course, I'm going to be a little bit biased, but... Um, it's a scholarship program. So yeah. I would put that degree up against any degree mm-hmm. that any of my friends have mm-hmm. or anybody that I, that I know. Um, it, it, it put me so far ahead without going backwards in debt. Um, and it put a lot of stuff fundamentally into my mind of, of how you should operate, how you should act. Um, yeah. There are no days off at Williamson. So mm-hmm. it's Monday through Friday, you're going to class, you're, you know, you're going to work, you're going to school, you're learning your trade, you're going to lunch, um, and then they let you go at five o'clock, and then you get to do some stuff, and you're in bed by ten thirty. So mm-hmm. it, it's it's tough, but you know, the three years that I was there, um, you, you learned so much in mm-hmm. such a short period. of and time. And did you come out working in the carpentry field afterwards, or so? <laughs> just at, said no. I'm not at some point, I, you know, I think that I was headed there. Um, but the way that they set you up is, you know, you're so sought out that. Um, these big firms are grabbing you up. Mm-hmm. So I was assistant yep. superintendent at 20 years old wow. um, on a massive project off of 422 in Collegeville for SmithKline. Um, I was with Bovis Lend Lease and they do a lot of pharmaceutical and you know, they're nationwide and all that kind of stuff. So um, great pay, signing bonuses. I had seven offers when I graduated um, mm-hmm. from school. They're dying to get you. So when you go to the, they have a career fair every year. Um, when you go to this career fair, it's jam packed. You <laughs> cannot move because of, you know, when I graduated in 2002, there was seven of us. So literally wow. seven. Um, and that's why they're so sought out. Mm-hmm. And they know that you're gonna come out with the ethics and the, the workmanship yeah. and the caring and everything else. And one of the biggest things I still carry to today is um, time anxiety. 
Mm-hmm. So if you're a minute late there, you know, there is repercussions. Well, you were 15 minutes early today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sarah was coming to tell me early, so I was like, I, I need five minutes. And I spent 15 <laughs> minutes in the parking lot before I even came up. So, um, yeah, because you, you lost a minute, you, you would have to come back on Saturday and you would, you would have to work off and cut grass or dig oh, holes wow. or whatever it is. So you, you learn to respect not only your time, but other people's time mm-hmm. in doing so. And I think that's super important, especially in today's day. I mean, I can't Definitely. tell you how many, how many times I've had meetings and... Um, you know, things where I was doing things for people and helping people create opportunities that I wasn't getting anything out of. It seems like late. showing up is 90% yeah. of it, right? Yeah, I mean. and they're late. And, and it sets a bad tone from day one that, hey, you know, I'm doing this to help you and you can't find the time to get here in time. time. So, yeah. so when did the, the term real estate agent come into your mind here? Like, what, like when did... So I had an idea then, you know, everybody wants to fix and flip. You yeah. Know, they want to do that. So I was learning the trade and my idea was, you know... Um, Learn the trade, and then you can move to buying places and flipping places and owning mm-hmm. places. Mm-hmm. Um, in that meantime, Bovis came in and gave me a great salary, and then I was, you know, uh, twenty years old, you know, running a couple hundred guys in, in Collegeville. So it, I got a great opportunity and a great jump there to start in the construction field, and that's when I really started to learn construction. Mm-hmm. So this taught me the basis and got me to the point where it created an opportunity, but. The next eight years of hard work is what really led to real estate. Mm-hmm. So I was there for a couple of years. I got another opportunity to pair up with um, a local, uh, they're in departments and student housing, military housing and that kind of stuff. And um, I got some really crazy uh, experience from that guy. I got the link right next to him. I mean, it, it, you would probably have to have 30 years in um, your career to mm-hmm. probably be under this guy. And, and somehow I was able to be directly under him. So I got some crazy experience. It has to be around your work ethic though. I mean, that that's- Yeah, it was, that's it was that. And you know, I helped him do a lot of his personal yeah. projects and then it, it, you know, it snowballed into something else. And you know, when that opportunity came to an end because I was traveling so much for work and doing a lot of different things. And that's at that point where I started to say, hey, you know, maybe that real estate fix and flip thing is back to where I wanted to be. I wanted mm-hmm. to start developing my own stuff. So I got my real estate license to just really um, buy and sell my what, own stuff. What year was that? When did you actually so become licensed? Six years now. So what are we saying? 2009 to like 2012 okay. is, is probably right where it was um, coming out of the downturn. Um, and again, it was just for me to mm-hmm. find my own stuff and, and sell my own stuff and be able to get access to trend and do all this different stuff. And yeah. it, it kind of snowballed into what it is today. Mm-hmm. So, you know, leading up in the last 10 years of the construction experience and the development experience and all that stuff had give me such a head start and buying properties and, and selling properties that when I got the real estate license, I put two and two together and then it, it kind of carried into where now I could, you know, really help with new construction and I can help with, um, you know, when I'm walking clients through and, and I see something crazy that I know is going to come up in the inspection report, you know, we can kind of head those things off before yeah. that we waste a thousand dollars of their time. And, um, you know, when we're walking through people, you know, having the ability to kind of quote, numbers and mm-hmm. give people estimates on site rather than say, hey, you know, I have to defer. Let's get four contractors in here and yeah. let's figure that out. You can help people say, oh, if I'm, you're going to fix this bathroom, it yeah. might be 30 grand or 20 right. or you have an idea. You lose a week and then you lose the house, especially exactly. in this market. So, you know, all the tools that you're putting together over all these years helps build kind of what your niche is. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I just had this conversation with, with a new agent starting out a couple of days ago is, you know, really finding, identifying and working that niche yep. is what's so super important in this business because you can kind of get lost in the field of all these things that you can do. So it's great to evolve and grow, and I think you should be evolving and growing, but finding your niche that's always your base that you can always go back to no matter what's going on. Yep. Yeah. 
you know, because some of the stuff that you're going to see and you're going to want to get involved in, it may not take you down the path that you want to go. So really finding that niche and, and working that niche and growing that niche is, is what kind of helped me get to where so, I'm So at. with that niche, have you been able to identify like repeat clients? Like, how, like who was yeah. your like ideal client to work for, to sell houses for? So right now, I mean, I do a ton of new construction. Okay. Um, and, and I help with the new construction from from A to Z, you know, from the initial stage stages of planning and, and going over the blueprints and floor planning and meeting with contractors and walking sites and identifying projects and places and, um, you know, running best, best budget numbers and what's today's trends and mm -hmm. what are the finishes all the way down to, you know, when we're doing final punch lists and walkthroughs and that kind of stuff. And kind of some of the value that I can add to it is, is, you know, when we're walking through with, with new clients mm -hmm. and, you know, it's not built yet or mm -hmm. it's barely built, we don't have to drag the builder away from whatever that they're doing. I'm there. Mm -hmm. I, I know basically as well as they do. I'm reviewing the plans the same way that they're reviewing the plans. I study them. And I you, know it. And you help with upgrades sometimes too? Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, That's there's number, the numbers, the upgrades, um, you know the plan. So you can help the builder do his thing. He's building. You don't have to pull him off every five minutes to answer this question or that question. Um, and you can help them focus on their building mm -hmm. you're selling. So you, you pretty much took your niche from going from Williamson's, understand the carpentry, how things go together, and you kind of formulated that as a real estate agent. Now right. you're able to just understand the actual process as opposed to just knowing that someone needs to put their signature on an yeah. agreement of sale. Yeah, it's That's important. Big. That's big. I, I mean, it, it's huge to, to be able to identify especially when it doesn't exist, mm -hmm. um, what's going to be there. Yeah, and right. to, you know, buying new construction is an experience and mm -hmm. it can either be a really, really good experience or it can be a really, really bad experience mm -hmm. for people. And there's nothing, you know, worse than being at that settlement table and, and seeing the buyer upset or in tears. I yep. mean, it's supposed to be one of the happiest days of their lives. Yep. So to head off that before it gets to that point and be able to see things coming from just a construction standpoint, you know, not the document part or the deal part, um, the construction standpoint. So you can see if there's delays that are happening or things that aren't happening or, hey, you know, if they're telling me that they want something and they're trying to envision it in their head and they're telling me about it and I see things going together in the field and it's not going the way mm -hmm. that I think that they're envisioning, we, we can kind of come together before it gets to the point where it's not fixable or it's, too much, yep. uh, not cost effects. What do you What do you see in clients upgrading in houses today? Like what, like you know, from the developers listening, like what can they expect that you know maybe clients are going to want to see an improvement on versus like a builder basic? Yeah, I mean, it, it's kitchens and bathrooms. I mean, you know, mm -hmm. it's it's same thing that resells you know normal houses. It's always kitchens and bathrooms, and you know, the, the, the trendier the better is what I'm seeing. You know, people, mm -hmm. uh, it's a mix. I mean, some of the basic stuff that we're putting out, the cabinets are great. You know, so when we're not putting you know, mm -hmm. junk in, there's still good stuff. Um, but some people have an envision of, uh, you know, just something a little bit grander. Mm -hmm. And and that's where I see the majority of the money going, you yeah. know, between that and you see some outdoor space. Um, but, you know, the, the more money I think that, that is going into these places is just really kitchens and bathrooms. And then some people are, you know, are going a little crazy with basements and that kind of stuff. <laughs> but it's man cave or, yeah. or uh, the she sheds I've seen too. Yeah, those are big. It's the Pinterest <laughs> stuff. I mean, anything that they're seeing out there, you know, yeah. it's so easy to get this information and these styles anymore that yeah. I think it's almost overwhelming at times for people for sure. that are buying these things. Do yep. you drive a lot of those conversations when people say, oh, I have no idea where I want to start with my bathroom. But, you know, you have coming from that background, you can help. Yeah, of course. That you know, it's always function. I mean, yeah. you know, we're always talking function, function, function. And, mm -hmm. you know, I can't tell you how many times we walked through a house that was built 15, 18 years ago and there was these massive tubs. I mean, I just came from home inspection before this. It's this massive jacuzzi tub 
base. The tub is very small. The guy is very big. He's looking at it and saying, I'm never getting in here. I just physically can't do it. I'm going to rip it out. And it, it takes up so much space. Yeah. Um, and typically there's a window over them. Yeah. So you, it's such a hard time to get a shower now because they have to go outside and close the window yeah. off or you know change the window out to temperate or whatever it is to evolve this bathroom into something that functions better for today. Sure. So I always preach fun, you know functionality, functionality. Mm-hmm. Like what what's your style? Is it is it the one sink? Is it the two sink? Is it a big shower? Is it a tub and a shower? And then if you want the tub, let's figure out how to make it work. What um? So I see you have a notebook in front of you too. What talk about some like tech you might be using to like keep yourself organized or, or something that that people can use that's you know new, right? Like what, so, what new technology is helping Ernie operate at his peak performance? Yeah, you know, I'm using some of the basic stuff that you know the realtors give me. So yeah. I'm a huge Home Snap guy. Okay, you know, it, that comes with Bright. It's it's super great if you use it correct. It, it's one of the biggest tools that you're going to be able to use in real estate. And what what is that? So Home Snap is basically a, a Bright product, and it's mm-hmm. basically like an easy. MLS app that you use mm-hmm. on there and you can pull up and it has, you know, your seller disclosures on there. It mm-hmm. has, um, you know, anything pertinent to the, to the project. It has, you know, previous photos, current photos, has past sale price, has neighborhood. So it's like a doc organizer in a way well, or like, it, uh, it, it is what it is. And so it gives out the ac- the documents that are, um, on bright today, gotcha. but it's really, um, bright mm-hmm. in an app. Okay. Um, but it also has the, one of the coolest features that I like to use. Um, it, it has like an aerial and it shows you the, um, you know, the plot plan. So mm-hmm. it shows you the property lines, but then it shows you as a blue dot walking around on oh, the cool. property. So yeah, you can cool. get a better idea of where we were yeah, and, and what's mm-hmm. going on. I mean, I just used it at the inspection today. We're saying, hey, we're up in um, Valley Forge Hills or whatever on the other side of Fingsville. And he's saying, I don't know can I put a pool here? And I'm like, well, mm. I don't know what's in the ground, but I can show you, kind of get you close to where the property lines mm-hmm. are. So you can That's say, great. hey, this is great, this is not good. It's just one of those extra tools that really it's, it's given to you for free that right. you know a lot of people should be using that they're not. So it's a client function too. Mm-hmm. Um, but f- internally, I, I use Podio. I mean, I don't know yeah, if that's Podio, what Podio. I'm familiar with that. Um, so we built a pretty cool system in, in for Podio um, for my own document. Mm-hmm. stuff it's an autoresponder um via you know text email so all my you know online leads come in there it's sending stuff out you can text through it you can call through it you can do whatever you want through it um it's a document center and then we have some internal documents yeah. and the thing i like about putting too it can be as basic as you want it yep. to be or you can bring on a coder from overseas to help you get oh, into yeah. a level that's beyond people's comprehension it, it was so so when we first started i made the mistake you know so i grabbed you know two of their preferred vendors and they mm-hmm. said these guys are great <laughs> i didn't follow up um if they were still great by the time i used them the first people were absolutely horrible the second people i thought we were handed to a, a lawsuit mm. um what they told us was going to cost five thousand dollars they sent me a bill for eighteen thousand, and it still wasn't functioning mm-hmm. um so i went to this third guy and i tend to stay away from people that have guru in their name mm. um just because if you have to tell me the guru, I'm a little nervous about it. <laughs> this guy is legitimately a guru and his name was on it. What these guys did in days, he did in hours. Of course. It was unbelievable wow. for a fraction of the cost. He went back in and fixed their stuff and was like, I don't, they, were they trying to make this as difficult as possible? <laughs> um, and he created this thing where, you know, when I upload the information and put the right information in and I hit save, it creates internal documents for us. One of them, which would be like a key date letter. Yeah. 
Um, and it inputs all this information, very pretty, puts my logo, my name, and yep. it can automatically be shipped to the lender, it can be shipped to the client, it can be shipped to the co-op agent. Um, it's like a, if this, then that. So it, it, it's almost like an artificial intelligent um, uh, assistant mm -hmm. without yeah. you know, that, having that monthly fee. I think that's a, something for people to just understand. Like that type of technology enables you to do what, 10 times more than oh, yeah. you could, right? Yeah, and it, it's some it's something that's so unbelievable that was tedious for other people to do or an admin to do. Mm -hmm. um, you literally it takes four minutes to put this information in. It kicks <laughs> out these beautiful uh, documents, and and people look at them like this is great. This is exactly what we need, and it happens so instantaneous that that um, people are surprised that it comes over so quick. Yeah, um, you know, it's just whatever you can do to, to leverage you know time. I mean, obviously, everybody knows time is the most important thing that you have. So. Mm -hmm. um, Leveraging that time and making sure that you still have your hand on the you know, your finger on the pulse of your business, mm -hmm. um, making sure that the things that you are putting in place are are saving time, not nice. wasting time. So, give me some projects. I guess maybe some listings you have now, or some upcoming stuff that, if you can talk about it, great. If not, I understand. But what what do you have in the pipeline that you're most excited about? So, uh, look, Concha Hocken is always, you know, I grew up there. So my circle of influence is is great there. And, mm -hmm. and I have some good friends and some good builders and some um, some great, you know, let's say acquaintances in, in that neighborhood. So um, we, we did that great project with you guys on Wood Street, um, Soup to Nuts with you guys. Yep. And, and it sold in unbelievable time. You know, we I still get like going back there and checking those projects out because mm -hmm. they're just so much different than than what traditionally has been built in Conchahawken. Yep, right. And I think, you know, when you start to set that bar at a different level, now you start to see everybody else doing these mm -hmm. things that, you know, we, we'll say, well, geez, why don't we always do these, you know? But, um, so there's a very, very big project coming up in Conchahawken. Um, it's been a long time coming. Um, these guys put a ton of work into getting it to the point that it yep. is today. Um, the name's not officially announced yet, but it, it is um, very significant. It's 31 houses. Uh, single homes. family houses? So it's a mix of single families, twins, and townhomes nice. uh, right That's off the Spring great. Mill. Um, dead smack, 7th and Spring Mill. So, it's a know, solid location. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right near the train and everything. Yeah, and it's yeah. a massive project. I mean, there's not too many lots that you're going to find in no. Conchahawken that will hold 31 anymore. No. You know, it, it, it's dwindling. Um, I have three houses with another builder um, that are coming up in, um, we're on the opposite side of North Lane, uh, Cedar Heights. So okay. there's some single family houses. I have another builder that's working on a couple. So, you know, new construction is, is going to be strong. You know, in, in that contract, and there's still a demand years. too. I mean, even in the city, we're seeing a high demand. There's not yeah. a lot of good product in, in certain key areas, and especially Conchahawk. And just right. you know, to me, it seems like such a stable. And for one, I think it's a good commuter market too. For excellent for, commuter for, market for yeah. getting to the city. You know, right. I just I just see Conchahawk and staying strong and. Yeah, even in the downturn, it, it it stayed strong. Well, everything mm -hmm. dipped like super heavy. I mean, Conchahawken dipped a little, but not not you know like as uh, significant as some of these other markets. So, you know, of course, like when when downturn happens, like new construction obviously slows. Sure. You know, and any project that you're buying, if you're buying it at, at, at a correct number and putting the work into it, there should be some buffer there if something does happen that yep. you can you can get out of these things. But look, things are going good. I mean, yep. the, the market's strong. Um, give me give me a little insight. You know, it is strong, but how long do you think we got? Like everyone's always asking that question. Like I remember two years ago, people being like, we got two years. And I remember four years ago, people mm -hmm. being like, be careful. We've been in this for six years now. Like the other two years, like, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I, like, I said the same thing when, you know, when I see these books come out and, and the books are coming out about, you know, uh, now's the time you need to do this. You need to do this. And things are changing now. And then three years go by and that never happened. But people bought a million of those books. <laughs> um, 
And they're still doing the same thing. It's a good but model. It's a good it, business model. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, I'm going to tell you the biggest thing that scares me is the election. Mm-hmm. So you're not too political. Yeah, I'm not of course. Getting, go down that road. But um, I, I just think that there's so much um, confusion and uh, understanding, misunderstanding, and everything else that's wrapped around our next election. And, and I think it, it's going to slow It's going to slow things. And yeah. people are going to have to... They're going to feel uncomfortable just because that's the nature of, of course. the elections anymore. And I think when they feel uncomfortable, they show it and they're going to show it across the board. And that's going to be consumer confidence. And sure. And, um, I'm not saying that that's a recession. I'm just mm-hmm. saying that, you know, things things in my mind, you know, things will will slow a little bit around that time period. And, and we're going to have to let the dust settle and, and see what comes of it. Mm-hmm. I just saw an article that again, even more political uh, <laughs> about Social Security and how it's got a forty two trillion dollar deficit. Yeah. Like, the fuck are we going to do? Like, if there's another, the last time was a mortgage crisis, who knows? Maybe it's the Social Security crisis right. that takes us down a notch in our stock market, right? Like, it, it could be anything. And I think that they're all so closely tied together anymore, you know? Yeah. It, it, it's scary. It's scary to see, you know, how we can be so stable but yet so uncomfortable at times. Mm, yeah. um, and, and it's some of the craziest things that I see that makes us uncomfortable. And it reflects, I mean... You see the stock market go, and then you see you know the rates go, and then you see the, the housing starts go. I mean, rates just dropped again. It, it, really? I'm going to tell you, it's crazy. At the end of last year, you could, I, if you would, if you would have had this podcast at the end of last year, I would say, hey, look, things are slowing. Like uh, things were slowing down a little yeah. bit, and people were saying, you know, this is good, and um, I'm okay in a neutral market. Like mm-hmm. I think right now, you you know, you're in an aggressive seller's market, and you know, you, people are getting beat out. And I feel like the Grim Reaper, 17 times a week, you know, when we're <laughs> putting over asking offers and waiving inspections, and we're still losing. All mm-hmm. the things that I tell my people that typically we would win, yep, we're still losing. Mm-hmm. And yep. and you know, not to to say the wrong thing here, but. I, in a multiple bid situation, I always tell my clients: just because you win doesn't mean you win. It just means yep. you get the house. Because you're doing things you typically wouldn't do that would make make me a little bit nervous, and and I'm not even buying. One of the um, one of the things we're seeing from a design standpoint is the opportunity zones. Right, um, they're all over. Obviously, there's better areas to be in than others, but they're there and they exist, and they have real tax incentives yes. around them. So if that stays and there's no adjustment to it, I don't foresee a slowdown in that realm. Right. I mean, banks are low. I mean, we just, I got an appraisal back. Like I knew it should come into that point, but I ended up getting almost a hundred percent financing on a project we're about to start in an opportunity zone. Right. Like, yeah. Like, it, what, like as a developer, I'm looking at that going, which what's next. Right. <laughs> if what, I can what? get even close to hundred shit, right. if I could get 90 or 80% right. of, of, of the financing. Like, yeah. It, it changes your opportunity. I mean, everybody knows opportunity costs is when you have your money tied up in projects, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're tied to things. And when I talk to builders and I talk to different, different people, so I'm not just a builder guy. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I, I did a lot of stuff of, of purchasing, um, a lot of multifamily and I got to see the acquisition side of all that stuff. And, you know, opportunity cost um, is one of the biggest things that, that I see people getting tied up on, you know, when, when we're in new construction and we're bickering back about back and forth about $4,000. And I'm saying, this is your guy like today, it's you're you're losing the four thousand dollars, but you're gaining that opportunity to sure. get to your next project. So you may be tied up on this one. And that four thousand dollars may end up costing you a hundred thousand because yep. you're not able to move to the next one, and somebody else scoops up that project, and now you're out. So, it, it, it's it's helping everybody see what the real opportunity is, mm-hmm. and and sometimes it's it's doing something that you normally wouldn't do to get to the next level and say, hey, look, 
we, we did well here. If we get $4,000 less to be able to start this next project and, and be able to continue to grow, then that, that's a $4,000 that I would invest every day. Of course. It's just a mindset thing. I yeah. feel like, you know, certain people can think that way and certain people just don't. Yeah. And I think that's the, the, you know, as being a realtor, I mean, you, you're doing, you're touching so many different situations and, and, and so many different lives and, and opportunities. And it, a lot of it, I always say to people, it, it, it's how you handle it. And mm -hmm. it's how you project that, that situation, you know, mm -hmm. and, and I'm going to tell you how, how I started this business six years ago. Um, and how I am today is completely different. Oh, for sure. And there's a guy that I run into every once in a while, and I'm not going to mention his name, but I still apologize because it, <laughs> it was one of my first deals and, and I was a complete asshole. And um, I still think about that transaction and um, it lets me know that, hey, you're doing something right because it, when you think about it, your stomach hurts. Right. Um, it, it was not it was not the way that you wanted to act. And, mm -hmm. and that's how I try to to preach to the people that I can touch. And, and I have two great people that I work with, um, Andrew and Lauren, and they're part of my team. And um, we, we, we try to interact the best that we can mm -hmm. um, in these situations and, and um, try to take our own emotions out of it and project things the way that they should be rather than how a lot of times that they are. Yep. So, so you mentioned six years, couple people are they on your team and i mean are you pursuing brokerage like what, what's kind of next for ernie like like you know i i heard you got to be uh under a real estate trans uh real estate team for two years to get your brokers or do a certain amount of transactions like is that on the f horizon for you getting it, your broker's license you know it it was and it is and I, I think in this business you know if anybody's telling you that hey, i'm not looking into something, mm -hmm. then that's somebody that's not growing. Yeah. I mean, things are changing so quickly mm -hmm. in this business. So um, the, the brokerage thing for me is I, I always just like to be prepared. So there's some rumors are going around that, you know, if you have a big team um, at some point, somebody on that team may have to have an associate broker's license. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that'll ever come to fruition. If it does, it's good to it have like job steps. security more than anything. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, there's only what one or 2% people that have their broker's license. It yeah. was a pain in the butt to get there. Um, I, I made a mistake. I tied it in with something personal mm -hmm. and um, a personal goal with a professional goal. And I wasn't ready for that personal goal. Mm -hmm. um, and that slowed me to get to the professional goal. And mm -hmm. I learned a very big lesson internally. And I, I don't put too much out on Facebook um, and social media personally, but when I come across something that, that, you know, touched me a certain way, um, I'd like to, to put that out there. Yeah. And um, that was one of the big things. Yeah. And um, I tied it in. I lost my dog a couple of years ago. I'm sorry to hear about yeah. your, you know, your puppy. I lost one too. Is it? Yeah. yeah, I feel like everyone goes through something like that. It was so sudden. It was yeah. just like yours. Yep. And he was six and it was Thanksgiving and we lost him. And um, I tied that goal in that when I was, uh, I got my broker license yep. that I would allow myself to get a new puppy. And it just wasn't ready for the puppy. And I mean, mentally and physically with the, with the other yeah. dog passing yeah. that um, it, it took me way too long to finish those classes to, to, to get that license. And it was because of a personal goal, not a professional goal. Mm -hmm. So I learned a very big lesson there and there, there's a couple of different sets of goals, but you know, I was a firm believer in, I could have gotten the puppy whenever I wanted. People kept saying, what well, are you crazy? Just go get them. <laughs> you know, you're great for it. Big but I tied them together, you know, yeah. and, and I wasn't going to break that. Yeah. Um, it was down to 
I'm going to tell you days because I did put the deposit down and it probably was coming and <laughs> the test was ready to be taken. And if I didn't pass, um, the rule would have been broken, but, um, luckily, you know, it all worked out and, uh, he's probably at home tearing up my stuff right now. So. Separation of church and state and separation of career and personal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sometimes they're like, it's hard, right? RIP Notre Dame. Yeah. Uh, was, but you know, separation is key sometimes in the different pillars. Yeah. I mean, people are motivated different, you know, yeah. and, and I, I've always said, you know, if, uh, there, there's nobody that's going to be able to motivate me more than me. Um, so any, you know, a- anything I see on YouTube or any quote I read on the wall is not going to get me out of bed if I don't want to get out of bed. Right. <laughs> you know, motiv- motivate, I'm, you know, it's a very self-motivated person, mm-hmm. um, sometimes to, to, to a fault. Um, so how would you attribute what you just said to like a new agent, like someone else that's trying to get into real estate? I mean, is it, you got to self-motivate or is that like what's... It, well, look, I mean, you, not everybody has to be a number one, you yeah. know? So th- there's a lot of phenomenal, you know, number twos and number threes in this business. And th- there's such so many opportunities and so many different levels of things that you can do in real estate that generate revenue and income. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you don't have to be the number one agent. You know, you, you can be number two and be in business and make a lot of money. And, and, and how you take that money outside of that real estate buying and selling, mm-hmm. you can still maybe make more than the person that's number one. Right, right. You, you know, you just need to be in the business and, and working on the business and and um, and be able to, oppor- you know, identify that opportunity and so, take advantage so of it. So do you think the sales numbers are bullshit? <laughs> I, I'm not a realtor. I'm not, you know, I, I felt about it and people, I got people think. begging me to get my license. They say, you'll save money when you do your flips and your constructions. Right. Like when I hear someone, oh, I'm doing a hundred million in sales. Like I just go, what the fuck? There are some legitimate people that are doing a hundred million dollars in this business. And now there are a good portion that are saying that they're doing 20 and they're doing 10. Um, yeah. They shouldn't be. You know, <laughs> it, it's against the. Like the, I just don't understand what it rules. means. Like, are you like doing, it's closed volume. Yeah, you can't it, quantify you know, it. It's closed volume, and the the problem that I always run into. So you know, some new construction you know builders, they pay their agent salary, but they may have sold a hundred million dollars <laughs> in real estate that year. May have only made a hundred thousand yeah. dollars. You know, it's a salary thing. You know, when you get into this thing, some some businesses are reload, some businesses are referral. So they may have sold twelve million dollars in real estate, but if they were a heavy referral and heavy reload business, they're losing twenty to thirty, maybe forty percent of that income. So, you know, if twelve million dollars gets you, I don't know, three hundred thousand dollars in sales on average, um, you know, forty percent of that goes away. Yeah. So. It, Look, I think with anything, numbers are fudged. You know, they always say numbers don't lie, but people do. So, you know, if, if we're going to put those numbers out there, I mean, you would want to be accurate. Yeah. Um, what, do you, what are your thoughts on some of the, te- you know, you mentioned tech, this industry's changing. You know, like you said, there are now brokers that are just paying agents a salary. There's, you got Redfin mm-hmm. playing broker listing properties. Like, So what I'm going to say what here the hell's is going on from your standpoint? the code of ethics um, requires me to be open-minded to all business practices within real estate within real estate Great. so um and not every and not every office practices that so mm-hmm. you will see stuff on facebook and and I, i'll tell you and twitter when i go <laughs> past it i'm saying to myself man why do i have to play nice and these people don't when yeah. they're saying that hey you don't waste 50 percent of your uh or don't waste your money when we can do it for 50 percent less <laughs> but what are you doing for 50% less? Yeah. And on the buyer side, um, when, when this company is um, uh, representing the buyers and we're paying out 3% or 2.5%, they don't say, hey, we're only going to take 50% of mm-hmm. that 25 
they're, they're glad to wipe the table of that 3% because that's how they actually make their money. Yeah. Um, they, they realize, I mean, look, I think there's going to be disruptors in this business and they're going to come and they're going to do everything that they need to do to, to stay relevant. And I think that the people that stay relevant are, are the ones that thrive through downturns and Correct. come back on the opposite side. So, so disrupt, disrupt, innovate, right. you know, some will, some for the better, some for the worse. Yeah, look, I think anybody that pushes this business is always good. Mm-hmm. So technology and disruptors are always pushing business and pushing people to the next level. And I think that's super important because if not, you get stale and you get stagnant. And I yeah. think, you know, what I've always said is there's a couple of companies in this business that um, uh, have no problem sharing information and they want to get you as much information as possible, as mm-hmm. quick as possible. And then there's some older school agents that this is no fault to them, but this is how they succeeded a long time ago. They protected the information. They didn't want you to have it because that was their their pot of gold. If yeah, they right. had the information, um, they controlled the market. And these and, th- those things are changing. And People and technology to- now is making it, yeah. you know. And I think, look, I, I'm a firm believer in, in, for lack of better terms, just you know, kind of staying in your lane. So, you know, when when you see like Zillow, look, mm-hmm. you know, I'm preferred agent on Zillow. I get some leads from them every once in a while. I use them as filler. Mm-hmm. I mean, my majority of my business, 90% is referral and circle yeah. Yeah, right. and new construction. But there's filler stuff. And I give them out. I give my team. I'd use them, whatever it is. Um, but to tell me that, you, you know, you... Zillow wants to buy some ridiculous amount of houses and have a mortgage company. They may have a mortgage company, but it's a, it's a publicly traded company. Like what happens when they buy all these houses and they have the stockpile of houses and they can't sell them and it downturns and now they take a 30% hit on the value of those homes. Does that kill the stock? That's just why I keep your money out of the stock market. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying, what does that do to the company? Does that change the evaluation of the company? Because now they just of legitimately course. lost 30% of what they were holding and they're holding it's an asset. Yep. You know, so uh, look, they're great at, at, at generating um, leads and, and doing different things and, and they're evolving too. But I think when you try to do too much without the ability to sustain mm-hmm. um, and not knowing where the market's going to go, you can get it, yourself in trouble. And that's, that's the thing. That's exactly your point. These are publicly traded companies right. that have shareholders to meet, sure. right? It's like profit driven. So if they can add another stream of revenue by utilizing the same type of thing, I don't blame them, but I agree. It's like, it's going to shake some shit up for the people that are, you right. know, solo shops, people that are on, you know, small teams. Like how do you start competing against Zillow, where everybody goes to start, I almost right. feel like some sort of home search. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's there. And, and, you know, a lot of times what I see is is trends. So, you know, we get some stuff from Realtor.com too. And I'm going to tell you, you know, it, it. the more I see a, real, a Realtor.com um, commercial on TV, so mm-hmm. they go through phases and markets mm-hmm. and that kind of thing, I you see more on Realtor.com. And then when Zillow ramps it up in that market, it goes up. So people are seeing it and they're sitting on their couches and their chairs and they're sitting wherever and they have their phone next to them. They see the Zillow commercial, a light mm-hmm. goes off and let's go look at houses. I mean, mm-hmm. their, their thing, their setups are very pretty. They're very attractive. They're very easy, but they do things that um, I'm not allowed to do. So their estimates are down to a dollar. So I could never give you an opinion of value down to a dollar because I'm not an appraiser. Mm-hmm. I don't understand why this website can. Um, I mean, it's it's exactly your point. Like, are they a brokerage or are right. they not? And if they right. are, if they are a brokerage and they're giving you an estimate down to a dollar, <laughs> then they're breaking rules. Yeah. Right. So, you know, I, I always tell my people that look, you know, Uber disrupted the taxi cabs, and, and uh, you know, Travelocity impacted your travel. Mm-hmm. I, I think for the better. But on the other side of that cab ride or the other side of that vacation is still 
the largest purchase of your life mm -hmm. and that's your house. Yep. So there's a different level of care and understanding in, in having a real estate agent. It's not somebody that just opens the door for you. Mm -hmm. um, this is a massive transaction and it happens at, happens so quick so, that you need somebody there so to help you. What I believe is actually gonna happen, I think it's gonna split consumer to developer. I think there's gonna be two trajectories for how this real estate market yeah. forms. There's gonna be what happens around the developer piece mm -hmm. versus what happens around the Zillow consumer looking for a home right. in some area they're moving to. And I think it's gonna be very different in how you tackle both. Yeah, I mean, when, when I had Zillow call me all the time and at one point they were saying, hey, we're, we're not gonna let you list new construction on our site <laughs> because we have a new construction division coming out. So tell your builder if they want their stuff on our site um, that they need to call us and set up, <laughs> you know, set up a, a and pay for, for to be on Zillow. And I said, what are you talking about? I'm listing it through, at that point it was Trend. And yeah, Trend right. is gonna automatically kick it to your site. So you're mm -hmm. telling me now that you're not gonna allow this stuff to come through on your sites. And, and they hadn't finally tweaked it and then I think it just kind of went away. Like, yeah. I think they thought about it and they said, you yeah, know, how are we gonna do this? Like, we're, now we're not gonna take those feeds from, yeah. from the MLS service and we're not gonna have these agents <laughs> and these agents are now gonna be mad at us yeah. because some people are, are heavy new construction. So now we're not gonna allow them to list and new construction is always very pretty and fancy on these sites. So if now those new constructions aren't hitting on Zillow, are people gonna be going to a different site? So yeah. look, there are always re, stoking that fire for that income stream, mm -hmm. you know, like you had said. And I think there's a lot of ways that they can continue to do that without ultimately truly competing with agents unless they want to be a brokerage. And look, if they want to be a brokerage, it's no different than your Redfin. I mean, Redfin's super strong on, on um, online, you know, leads and generating and that kind of stuff. And the system that they have is very pretty and very user-friendly and mm -hmm. um, it works. And we all, we all coexist. Um, if you if you think that Zillow is going to be a one percent brokerage, I don't think that'll ever happen because it wouldn't make sense. I mean, they have. So, what I find is these big companies they they get so big that it's tough for them to move. Yeah, it's tough for them to maneuver and 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 move around. And that's why you see a lot of these smaller companies. They're very nimble and they're very mm -hmm. quick and they're very sleek. And and that's why people are attracted to them because they when that thing shifts, they're able to shift the next day and, and they're with huge, them. huge. Cool. Um, Last question, then we'll wrap up. How do you, what do you predict in 10 years from now how we're gonna be transacting real estate? It's such a tough question. That's why we saved it for last. Yeah, I know, I know, I would have walked out before, before I gave you everything <laughs> else. You know, I would have just called it a day. I'm a, I'm a buyer 10 years from now. Am I calling Ernie? Am I coming no. to Ernie for like, what, how do you no. anticipate real estate being sold in 10 years from now? I, you know, it's going to be very heavily tech, tech, you know, technology driven. Um, I, I think you're still going to need bodies. I, th I think 10 years from now, the commission structure is going to be significantly different. Um, you know, I think be as things become easier and things become, you know, more prevalent and technology is what it is. I think, you know, the consumer will, will start to say, hey, you know, wh what are we doing here? Um, so I think what you're going to end up having is probably less agents. Um, and the agents that are still here um, and doing these heavy transactions, you're going to have more transactions, less revenue. So, mm -hmm. you know, bigger teams, yeah. um, you know, more online stuff, more online lead generations. Um, you know, obviously the assistant piece was one that I think would probably go pretty quickly. Um, I know, you know, in its infancy that I'm working with, the pieces that I put together for that um, assistant, you mm -hmm. know, some of the steps that we can eliminate 
just by using the computer and putting some information into it. So, um, you know, one of the big things I'm not, I'm not involved in is, is the cold calling. I, you know, I, I'm assuming that that that's going to come to an end. And I think, you know, those are, there's some, there's some government shit going on around cold. Calling I would hope so. I mean, honestly, yeah. I would hope so. I mean, you know, I've always been a firm believer in not doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, look, there's people that make a lot of money by doing it and, and this, that, and the other thing. And, um, but I think that they also alienate a lot of people and get a reputation of doing different things. Mm-hmm. Um, but everybody again has their own niche and that niche works. And, and, um, I'm going to tell you if I had to make phone calls every day on the phone, I would be an awful realtor. <laughs> uh, I would, would be struggling to eat. I'll be back in the construction business, um, which I, I miss. So maybe I should make some calls. <laughs> um, yeah, but I, look, I, I think things are going to be significantly different, and the technology is, is what drives everything. And and you know, I've I've seen some really really cool stuff um, recently in the last few days from some really really cool brokerages, and um, I don't know why they don't go to the tallest building and shout that they have these programs mm-hmm. because I didn't even know that they had them and how cool they were, mm-hmm. um, and how much they would help uh, my business mm-hmm. and what I do and my consumers. Um, and my and my clients um, on their day to day real estate search. So technology is is the thing, and I think it's going to be significantly different. I don't know exactly how that shakes out, but um, I'm going to assume that that at some point it, it's going to weed some some stuff out. Some mm-hmm. teams are going to get larger, and it's just you're going to have to do more transactions to maintain the volume that you're doing. But makes sense. Your overhead's going to be different. Yep. The key to all this is overhead. You yeah. know, uh, we, we run very very lean. Um, yeah, me and my guys, and and that's on purpose. Um, we we watch what we do and we watch what we spend, and it's not because we're cheap. It's because that's that's the model that we want. And when things do turn and change, we're, we're still okay. Yeah. Um. We're, we're, it's not going to hurt us. Mm-hmm. You know, we're we're going to do less, obviously, and things are going to be a little bit different. But um, we're set up for it, so we're not so far away from the business that we have to come back into it. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're still circling that wagon there. Last, last thing. Last, last question. Last, last. You, you know, uh, Uh-oh. what's the one takeaway that someone, the one-liner from this that you'd sum up for uh, just biggest lesson you've learned between Williamson College to- Even before that. Even before that to what's, what's attributed to your success today as a realtor? Um, just adaptability. You okay. know, uh, adaptability and you know, evolution. You know, take, you know, I was a, Went to school for carpentry and I took carpentry into project management, from project management into um, development, development into real estate. So you're taking that evolution of whatever that goal was that you wanted to do, you learn some different stuff and you become a real well-rounded, yeah. um, you know, per- person in your field that, that you know, hopefully a couple people respect. <laughs> and, um, um, you know, and aren't afraid to come to for, for some help every once in a while. Awesome. Well, Ernie, uh, we appreciate you coming out. Thank you so much. There's Pleasure. A ton of information here for uh, the listeners, and uh, hopefully, I can talk uh, to the lights go out. Yeah. So. <laughs> We're gonna. We don't. The lights aren't even on right now. We just got sun coming through. But uh, you know, thank you so much, and uh, you know, looking forward to seeing what's next for Ernie and, your, and the team. Thanks, Thanks Ernie. Ernie. Well, we get to come back and, and go through it again for sure. See you guys. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to our podcast. We really hope you enjoyed it. Um, if you wouldn't mind sharing this with someone, it would mean the world to us. You can reach out to us at thenewhowpodcast.com. Thank you so much for listening. And we really hope you got a lot of value out of this episode that you're going to put towards your business and real estate.
endeavors. 